yeah, what it means to live as a community. And I'm going to get straight in. Um, last time I looked at promise keeping. This time this morning I'm going to look at truth telling. And I thought, how wonderful to hear that story because how easy it is in today's world, in the world's culture and the way they're set up to lie, to misrepresent. And what, and what I loved was that deep conviction that Kia had to be truthful, regardless of the cost, regardless of what it meant. Meaning that actually it is right to be truthful even if I'm deported back. Wow. Challenging, encouraging. This is such a big subject. How can I do it justice in a quarter of an hour? We're going to focus on truth-telling and living it in the community. So we're not going to touch on what truth is. Jesus is the truth, declaring the truth, preaching the truth, but how we live truthful lives within a community of people. As you know, that was it. It's that book by Christine Palm. I said she was English. I lied. She's not. That was the other book on community I read that I would not encourage you to read. It was so deep and academic I got lost. She's actually from Kentucky. But she, but she looked at four areas that really enriched community. Enriched community. I thought I'd better be truthful. Yeah. She enriched community and she said gratitude, promise keeping, truthfulness and hospitality. We looked at promise keeping and that really seemed to resonate with people. That really seemed to, 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 to land on people, not to a point where, well, I just won't make a promise, then I won't break it. But I want to think about my words and what I say, because we have a promise-keeping God. We have a truth-speaking God. Psalm 86 says this, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you. O Lord my God, with all my heart, I will glorify your name forevermore, for great is your steadfast love towards me. Here we see David praying to walk in God's truth with an undivided heart. This life that he's seeking to walk in is shaped by God's confirming love for us. So we speak truth out of the steadfast heart of God to love. So when we think of community, when we think of community living, we often turn to the book of Acts. And the first, the first two chapters will... Chapters 2 to 4 are just full of a community living life together. They, ga- they gathered in homes. They were devoted to teaching and prayer. They ate together. And as, as such, they saw thousands of people come to know Christ because of how they chose to live. You know, that's my desire. Often I think that is the reason, and others, that is the reason why I'm here, and others also, is to see a community of believers who will do life together and love in such a way that it causes, to, it causes people to want to come and know Christ. I believe it. It's not just idealistic, because there's something deep that will go on with God's Holy Spirit that will cause our love to shine brightly. To shine brightly. And you get all of these things, and then all of a sudden you hit chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 goes a different way. We certainly weren't expecting it. And what we read in, in chapter 5 is Hananias and Sapphira sold some land, just like at the end of chapter 4, Barnabas, it said he sold some land, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. I've never seen the new sheep in you so well. 
<laughs> and he laid it at the apostles' feet. So here you've got in chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira doing the same thing. They sold some land. They bought the income into the community. Interestingly, a small community, they knew the needs, yet they still chose to lay it at the apostles' feet. However, they held back some money for themselves. This was right. Peter's saying, you could have done this. This was not a problem. This was your money. You voluntarily gave it. You gave it voluntarily, but you misrepresented it. You said, here is all of the money that we have bought. What we have sold the land for, and it wasn't true. They presented it as the whole amount, and they were struck down dead. They were struck down dead. Fear struck the community. This isn't something we, we mention much when we talk about signs and wonders, hey? <laughs> Let's talk about signs and wonders. Do you see this? <laughs> yeah. When you think of the way that Peter just, just before denied knowing Jesus, and yet now he's leaving the church, this response seems disproportionate. But somehow it was, the, it was the image, it was the fact that they presented it as something that was not. Deceit, deception was what grieved the Holy Spirit. What is interesting is how early on this happens in the life of the community. They've seen an incredible growth, they've seen God move and yet just a few years in, deception, lying, half-truths endanger communities. Large and small, they break communities apart, distorting our relationship with God and separate us from one another. While we think that minor deceptions appear to serve our purpose, they can also be so destructive. If we want to be a community that goes deep in this relationship, we need to be truthful. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There you go then. What's the point? There we are, in the Bible, our hearts are absolutely deceitful above all things. So what's the point? It's just there. It's a tension to manage, not a problem to solve. However, redeemed people are called, are called to be different. And when we are born again, God gives us a new heart and a new way of living. We need to choose to walk in it. So what does a truth-telling community look like? These are in red. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one who comes to the Father except no one comes to the Father except through me. John 14:16. Jesus connects truth with himself. We live truthfully as we fully embrace the purposes of God. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. We need the experience and we need to embrace the Holy Spirit who will guide us into Jesus and who he is. Who was Jesus? The way, the truth and the life. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we behold his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus connects himself with living truthful. Jesus calls, calls us to live truthful lives. What does a truth-telling community look like? Jesus. It looks like Jesus. Oh, 
Oh, okay, I thought I was going to get some more than that, but think about it. If it isn't rooted in him, then the place we seem to turn to to get truth is ourselves. We make our truth telling. We make our truth fact. Our whole moral compass is set by what I think and I believe. I determine what truth is. And truth is often based on how I think and how I feel. It's being true to oneself, as the Girl Guides Oath now says. So that is why being truthful has to be rooted in Christ. Because if it isn't, it becomes rooted in ourselves. As though God evolves around our universe and not the other way around. The problem with being true to yourself is that you're never wrong. It becomes clear. If it becomes clear that society thinks differently, then you just amend what you see as truth. There is no benchmark. There is no true north. You just slip and slide and we go with the flow. When truth is rooted in who Christ is, it is never wavering, never moving. It doesn't change. Amen? Reasons why we don't tell the truth. I want to be accepted. Because we want to be good or at least appear to be good, but we compare ourselves to others and often think we have come up short. Because of that, we are prone to hypocrisy, duplicity, exaggerations. They're lies. Everyone does it, whether petty criminals or well-placed CEOs or politicians. Dishonesty, or shall we say spin, is commonplace. When the conversation starts with, will that fly?, You're never in a good place. So many people lie, it's just easy to move into. It's easy to do. We Photoshop our stories. We exaggerate parts when we gain acceptance. We often grow the exaggeration until we don't even recall what part was true and what part was exaggerated. Social media will allow us to create alternative personas. Websites can make companies look incredible look well-versed and well-done, and then you go and you realise it's some bloke in his bedroom. What does that matter, Ben? Does that matter? Man, we could go on all day there. God has caused us to be truthful. What else? Fear of punishment. Fewer and fewer people are willing to admit their mistakes. Not Kia. Free of litigation and blame. Accidents don't happen. There must be someone to blame. There must have been incompetence. Some error that we can blame it on. And if it was done to save any, then all the better. Accidents don't happen. We want to know why. We want to find out who's done it wrong. And it causes us to lie. We answer the question without answering the question. And if they persist, we persist in speaking about the topic, but never answering the question, hoping people will just stop and move on. Do you see it in TV? It's not just politicians. They're asked a question, and they talk about the subject, but they never answer the question, because they don't know what you'll do. You'll tie me up in knots. You'll blame me for doing this. You'll get me if I tell you the truth. Why? Because they're looking to tie you up. Tim... Fallon, remember him, led the um, Social Democrat Party. Do you think homosexuality is a sin? What's going through his mind? What's going through his head? What do I say? I know how they'll twist it. I know how they'll change it. It doesn't matter what I think is truth. What do I do? I don't know what he actually said. 
But it certainly caused him to have to step down because he realised that what he believed was just incongruent with what the party was and what the world would accept. If you tell the truth and we don't like it, we're going to get you. It's why we lie. We don't call it what it is. We give it imaginary names, misspeak, exaggeration, exercise poor judgment, economical with the truth, spin, lies. Lies. It becomes easy to spin the truth in ways that are self-serving. We fear what people will do with the truth. We fear that they misrepresent it. So we pick the nice. So as church leaders, here's one. Do you know prosperity is in the Bible? Do you know God made people incredibly rich? Yeah, actually, we don't speak on it because people have abused it so badly, so poorly, we don't speak truth. Divorce, you know, God permits divorce and remarriage under certain circumstances, but we don't want to talk about it because we're fearful of how people will use it. You said, you said, we're fearful of how people will use the truth. Lastly, we believe we're operating to a higher call. We are convinced that the cause or the result is so important that we are willing to use deceptive means to gain, persons, to gain a person's attention or cooperation. Those are just some of the reasons I think we choose to lie. Do some of those situations cause you to lie? It's a question to ponder. Do you find yourself prone to exaggeration? Does that sound easier? Lies. Do you say half-truths because it paints you in a better light? Lies. Ask ourselves, because if we're going to go deeper in this area, we've got to be real. We've got to be real. Where should our focus be when we think about truth and telling the truth? Well, it often starts with these questions. Should a person ever lie? We're not answering that this morning. The overlapping nuances involved in that are too much. However, we often think of truth as telling someone something they don't want to hear. It isn't the right place to start. When we think of truth, those questions are just the wrong place. Speak the truth in love, we'll come on to that. Where should our focus be? The importance of truthful living. Living truthfully. It makes it bigger. Come on in, kids. It makes it bigger than just, than just whether or not I should speak to you in love, whether or not I should do this in love. It speaks of a bigger way that we live and that we are and that we have our being. Two ways to see truth. They call it forensic truth. The facts of what happened, creating knowledge about the past or narrative truth. This has a different end. And it's, it's seeking healing, reconciliation, freedom, new life. Think about the Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, where the, the, the revelation of truths as to what had happened to sons and daughters brought healing and restoration. That's the truth we want to move into. That's the truth that we want to see. Not simply a correct um, example of what the facts were. If we are going to be a people who love truth, then we build people up rather than using it to tear people down. It affirms what is good and right, which only seeks to highlight what is evil and wrong. There's an emphasis on running towards God that highlights what's wrong because we talk about what, what, what right is. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Do you know what this scripture is trying to point out? 
Often discernment, we go, I, I discern something about him. I discern something about her. What Paul is saying, actually true discernment in the AV, it says true discernment actually causes you to have greater love. When you actually discern someone and you listen to someone and you start realising, oh my goodness, Ben doesn't know who he is in Christ. <laughs> the way he's acting here, the way he's being, oh my goodness, I want to see him move into that. True discernment of truth causes you to love, Amen. not to God. Not to God. They are different purposes in doing that. Being truthful is not only about speaking hard things, but discerning the whole picture with gentleness, humility, and patience. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Truths and faithfulness go hand in hand. We are sometimes to speak truth in love, but actually it comes better when we have faithfulness. In the book, she called it, she called it fidelity. That relationship that says, I am here with you no matter what. High and low, thick and thin, we're in it. I'm not about to leave when things get tough. I'm not about to go when I don't like what's being said. I'm here. So we speak to each other in a deep truth. In a deep truth. In a deep truth. A true friend is treasured because they are dependable, faithful and proven in hard times. In a book she says this, a close connection between truthfulness and fidelity is important at the individual level as well as the community level because faithfulness is making and keeping promises is central to a community's ability to speak and hear truth. Truthful living involves forbearance, forgiveness and patience. It's what's needed if we're to live truthfully, if we're to speak truthfully into people's lives, if we're to represent ourselves well. It's out of a place of faithfulness that a true friend speaks in love and it's received best. It's received best. So in closing, our challenge, questions to ponder, will we seek to raise the bar when it comes to truth Telling. Where do we need to start? It has to be rooted in Jesus. It then moves to us. How are we? Do we make truth living, not telling the truth? So actually, when, when we live truthfully, when we represent God well in ourselves, that's when it starts to impact others. And it's out of that process that we speak truth. Do you, do you know that whole discernment quote? You could see something that is actually wrong in somebody's life. And if you don't have the motive to see them loved and set free, if you're doing it for some other reason, then God actually says, don't bring it. Don't bring it. But even if you're right, it's the speck in the plank. The plank is your heart attitude. It's not that you have to deal with every single sin before you can deal with somebody's speck. It's your heart attitude. So when you see the speck, check your heart. And do you know what it says? It says, deal with your heart, then go back and remove the speck. If you can't remove the plank, if you're coming to someone to get one upon them, to be right, to declare that you've sinned an error in their life, then God says, don't bring it. But they're wrong, Lord. I'll deal with that. You deal with your heart. 
You deal with, with your heart. And when you've dealt with your heart, remove the speck. The plank is our heart attitudes, the speck of the lies and the sins that we may speak. Will we reflect on where the lies have crept into our daily lives? I'm really asking. You could just go, that was nice, that was ch- challenging. But some of you need to stop and think. Actually, is deceit and lies creeping into the way I live my life? Because it's all through society. Will we therefore seek to make a change in how we live? Doesn't mean telling the truth isn't free of consequences. Kia had to make a real decision and be ready for the consequences that it brought. But when we are truthful and live truthfully, it just has such a depth of relationship building, of love and care in the community. I believe it causes people to recognise Jesus in us. Have a wonderful afternoon. Enjoy the tennis, if you're a tennis player. We're watching the World Cup at four o'clock. You are most welcome to come, even though the wrong teams are in the final. (laughs) The slides will be up on, on the website. Maybe you just challenge you to work those things through. Have a wonderful afternoon.